The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good morning, everybody. Nuns, friends, I'm very pleased to be here this morning. Yesterday morning, somebody asked, where is this Sati Center? <laughs> and somebody said, there's no place, people meet in various places. Uh, then I said, the Sati Center is here. And we go wherever we go, we go with the Sati Center. Where we go, Sati Center is there. So we all came with our Sati Centers <laughs> to uh, learn more about Sati. Uh, I was told uh, to talk about Sati, uh, Sati Pathana Sutta, Four Foundations of Mindfulness. Is there anybody in this crowd who doesn't know this Sutta? You see? That, oh, really? And you? No. You know it. I thought uh, there may not be even one who does not know the Sutta. And I found couple of them. <laughs> anyway, this is the, the manual of uh, Buddhist meditation. This sutta is so big. Uh, one is called Maha Satipatthana Sutta that we find in uh, Dighanikaya. And there is another Satipatthana Sutta in Madhyaminikaya. That's called just Satipatthana. And there is another sutta in also Madhyaminikaya called Kaya Gata Sati Sutta. And there is a part of Mahasatipatthana in uh, Madhyaminikaya uh, that is called uh, Anapana Sati Sutta. And uh, there is another sutta in Angutrinikaya called Girimananda Sutta. And in all these suttas we find very uh, direct meditation systems. Sometimes people might wonder why Buddha has given so many discourses on the same subject. Why didn't he stick with the Mahasatipattana Sutta which en uh, encompasses everything? Why did he break them into uh, groups or separate classes, sections? Well, the answer is very simple. Buddha lived for 45 years to teach Dhamma and he met thousands of people with different background, different mentality, different state of spiritual growth and different attitude just as he saw, as soon after he attained, attained enlightenment, 
he saw the whole universe like a, like a pond full of lotus. Some are right at the bottom, buds. Some have come few inches above the mud, and some have come halfway in the lake, and some have come to the top and waiting to get one first ray of sun to open. These four, remember these four is very important. These four stages are categorized as in Pali, Uggatitanya, Vipanchitanya, Neya, Padaparama. Uggatitanya means ones who are at the very first touch with the Dhamma, very first touch with the Dhamma attains full enlightenment. They are like those lotus buds that are out of water, waiting for the sun to open. And the second is called uh, Vipanchitanya. They are halfway. Uh, they need more uh, time to grow, mature, to open. Uh, similarly, people, some people need more explanation, uh, description, uh, guidance, instructions, time to attain liberation. And the third uh, lotus are few inches above water, and they are like the people of that type are called Nyaya. Nyaya is other kind of people who needs more explanation, detailed explanation, guiding them, holding by hand, dragging them, giving a lot of encouragement, a lot of discussions, a lot of reading and so forth. And the last is called Padaparama. Padaparama is a very interesting word. Pada means words, parama means the best. And their best is words. Most people, 99.99% are padaparamas. <laughs> they like to read and read and read. They say, I have read 20, 50, 100 Buddhist books. Have they learned anything? They read Buddhist books like novels, newspapers, trash, and read once and throw away. And afterward, they get tired of reading. They even don't want to read Buddhist books. But they like words. Then read another book. Go to this meditation center, Sati center, spirit center, so forth and so Go to various places and do uh, what you call meditation, you know, window shopping. <laughs> and... Uh, Never learn anything, never stop, never practice. And they can linger in samsara forever. They are called padaparamas. Now, <laughs> how can I relate this to this different ma, different satipatthanas, different uh, discourses on meditation? When people met people, uh, when Buddha met people, he found this kind of people. 
Some are ready to attain enlightenment. Try to it. Like Bahya Daruchirya. He needed only very few words. Right away he attained enlightenment. Others like Sariputta's disciples. Buddha took some time to explain things. Even Sariputta could not explain. And others like Chanda who needed even reprimanding and punishment to for him to attain, like Venerable Ananda. Until Buddha passed away, he did not attain enlightenment. And others are rest of us. We also might have seen the Buddha, heard him giving Dhamma sermons, and never listened to it. Never learned. And we are still in samsara. So Buddha met all these different people and gave different discourses for them to practice. Mahasatipatthana is the one who delivered to people of all kind of mentalities, giving very bright, broad basis of meditation instructions. And others he gave to people who are uh, not yet mature for them to uh, uh, I mean, who are practic- who are more mature and he gave short discourses and so forth so he changed this meditation techniques subjects according to the people's needs that's why there are so many meditation uh, discourses on meditation now with this introduction to Mahasatipatthana, let me go to the Sutta. Mahasatipatthana Sutta, we learn by heart before we learn the language, before we learn to speak. How? Our parents, every morning when they wake up, when we wake up, we hear our parents reciting something in Pali. On full moon days, new moon days, quarter moon days, they observe the precepts, going to the temple. And they take us with them. We don't know anything, but they put, sometimes put, they put us on their lap, or make us, made us sit next to them. And they recite Mahasatipatthana. So we learn it, but we never knew one word of it. But we memorized. I learned to put it into practice <coughs> because of one very unforgettable traumatic experience in my life. I have mentioned it in my book. I had a photographic memory uh, that uh, in uh, 15 minutes I could read the 200-300 page book and memorized everything. Every punctuation mark, every word, page number, everything stuck in my mind. When I was twenty, I lost everything because I fell sick. My parents, teachers, friends did everything, including voodoo's, to treat me. Nothing worked. Then, since I had memorized the Mahasatipatthana Sutta, I thought perhaps if I meditate 
I might regain at least some of my lost memory. Meditation at that time in my age in Sri Lanka was a taboo. Young monks of my age would never meditate. If they see me meditating, they would tease me to death. <laughs> so, until they went to bed, we, four of us were in our room, and until other three went to bed, I stayed, and everybody went to bed, turned on the, off the lamp, and I sat and meditated. Believe me, after about six months' meditation, I began to feel something happening in my nerves, like little uh, insects crawling through my skin, under my skin. Then I thought, uh, this may be something good happening to me. I went on meditating, <coughs> out about an year. When I lost my memory, you believe me, you may not believe me, when I lost my memory, before I losing memory, I had learned Sinhalese, Pali, Sanskrit, Tamil, English, and uh, Hindi, alphabet, six languages. I was uh, fluent in these languages. But when I lost my memory, I could not recognize alphabet of any of these languages. If I saw somebody, and five minutes later, if, if he goes away and comes back, Five minutes later, I would not recognize him. Under these conditions, I started meditating, using Mahasatipattana Sutta method. And after about one year, I began to recognize alphabet and people. And slowly my memory came back. This encouraged me to continue my meditation. And since then, I have been meditating. The more I meditated, the deeper I, my understanding became, and deeper was my understanding of Mahasatipattana Sutta. And therefore, I like all these words I mentioned to encourage you to go back to Mahasatipattana Sutta. If you don't have a teacher, meditation teacher, don't worry. Read Mahasatipattana Sutta, word by word, line by line, not like reading a novel. Read, pause, think and meditate. Now let me begin <laughs> the Sutta again. I keep coming back to Sutta and again going out of it. Uh, all this I do for you to remember uh, how vigilant you should be how diligent you should be in learning and practicing this particular discourse. And it begins with Ekayano Ayambhikri Maggo Sattanang Visuddhya. It begins with giving the purpose of meditation. Purpose of meditation. Practicing this discourse. Instruction given in the discourse. There are five fold purpose, five purposes. <clears throat> what are the five purposes? Sattanang Visuddhya, for the purification of beings, 
Because our minds are full of garbage, full of dirt. It needs a lot of detergent. And this very strong detergent is recommended in this discourse to cleanse the mind. Why do we want to start with that? Because that is the source, that is the beginning of all our problems and all our liberation from problems. So we have to begin with cleaning the mind. That is exactly what you read in the Dhammapada. The first stanza in the Dhammapada, this is what you read. And this is what we learn in entire Buddha's teaching. First is uh, Sachitta Pariyodapana, purification of mind. That is the first purpose. <coughs> you can understand why we want to purify our mind, because all our problems stems, begins from the mind. The mind is the root of all our problems. We can never find root of problems anywhere outside our mind. Although we may try to point finger at someone, somewhere, but the problem really are in our mind. Second, Soka Paridvanam Samatikamaya to overcome sorrow and lamentation. We practice mindfulness, meditation. Third purpose is Dukkha Domanasanam Atangamaya to overcome suffering and disappointment, displeasure. Fourth purpose is to tread Nyaya Sadhigamaya to tread, to follow the right path. What is the right path? Noble Eightfold Path, Nyaya Sadhimaya. The last purpose and the supreme purpose of all is Nibbana Satchikiriyaya, to attain Nibbana. Just remember, the goal of this meditation is very lofty goal. The best goal, the highest goal. You may think, well, it is not possible within this life. Let it happen somewhere in future. Even if you think that you cannot attain in this life, the practice will not become meaningless. You at least become good Father Parama who will attain enlightenment in future in samsara. But the practice will never become meaningless. When you aim at the best, if you don't gain the best, you can at least gain the second best. If not third best, you gain something if you aim at the best. So remember, these are the fivefold purposes, uh, five purposes of this practice. And for that, Buddha said, "Ekāyano I am maggo." For this attaining these five purposes, there is a one direct method. 
there are many ways of attaining many things. They go, they will lead you to many places. If you want to go to heaven, you, are not, you don't have to practice meditation if you want to go to heaven. All you have to do is three things. Satchan bhane, nekujjaya, dajja pasmimpi yajito, etehititane, gachye devan santike. If you want to go to heaven, you don't have to be a Buddhist. You don't have to be a meditator. You can be a Christian, Muslim, Hindu, Jewish, anybody, even without religion, you can go to heaven. All you have to do is to do only three things. What are the three? Satchang bhane, speak the truth. Nakujjaya, don't get angry. Dajja pasminti yajito, give whatever you can when asked. These are the things. Who cannot speak the truth? Although we don't like to speak the truth, anybody can speak the truth. Who cannot get, who cannot stay without getting angry? Anybody can practice that. And who cannot give? We don't have to be Buddhist to give. Anybody can give. <coughs> if you practice these three things, you can go to heaven. Practicing this meditation is one of the one of the five purposes of practicing meditation is not going to heaven. It is not included in these five purposes. So don't meditate to go to heaven. And there is a way to go to heaven. And there is a way to go to Nibbana. To go to Nibbana, there is only one direct method. To overcome sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair, there is only one method. To follow the right path, there is only one method. To purify the mind, there is only one method. <laughs> to attain liberation, total liberation, without any residues left behind is meditation. That's what Buddha did and that's what he achieved. So without any hesitation, reservation, Buddha mentioned at the, at the very outset, this is the only direct method. Other methods are indirect. You can perhaps through samsaric uh, lot of practice you may but direct, this is the direct method. And in this direct method, <coughs> Buddha mentioned uh, many things. One uh, is to uh, practice uh, uh, the, become mindful of the Four foundations. They are called four foundations. And in the in the Buddha's discourse, uh, I like also to mention the reason why it is called sutta. <coughs> These are called suttas. 
Why they are called suttas? Sutta is uh, like a suture that you stick, you use suture to stick. A sutta, it is called sutta because it has the uh, thread going from the beginning to the end. One message. Just like sutra has the beginning, middle and end. Buddha's discourses have these three uh, uh, segments, three uh, points, beginning, middle and end. At the beginning, Buddha was so, so profound and uh, enlightened that he gives the summary at the beginning. When you write a good article, paper, book, dissertation, and so forth, at the very beginning you give the summary, introduction. In the introduction you can get the rough idea of what is going to discuss. So he gave the, at the very beginning he gave the summary. In the summary he mentioned what is going to happen in the discourse. <clears throat> and he said uh, uh, there is only one direct method to achieve these five purposes and then he outlined these five, this, this uh, method in four steps. He said Kaya Kaya Nupasi Verati Atapi Sampajano Satima Vinayaloke Abhijja Domanasa. Let me translate that into English. Be mindful of the mind in the mind. Be mindful of the body in the body. With diligence to overcome uh, to with with uh, uh, intention of uh, uh, reducing greed and hatred and uh, uh, satima vinaya satima with mindfulness vinaya having discipline having restraint. Abhijja domanasang loke, the covetousness and uh, grief in the world. That is, be mindful of the body with the intention of overcoming covetousness and uh, anger or disappointment. Uh, in the world. Now this is a really very important uh, sentence. It is uh, what I call uh, loaded with meaning and given in compressed form. So we have to decompress it to understand the meaning of this sentence. First he said, Kaye Kayanupasi Virati. Be mindful of the body in the body. 
Now here we hear the word body twice. Be mindful of the body in the body. What does it mean? And to to make it uh, more meaningful, this particular section is divided into six categories to make it meaningful. So, each part is a body in the body. For example, he began with the breathing. We will explain all these things in detail later on. At this uh, introductory talk, I want to give this as an example. It started with the breathing. Breathing is a body. It's called breath body. According to Anapanasati Sutta, mindfulness of breathing discourse, and according to Chula Vedala Sutta, Chula Vedala is a discourse delivered by a Bhikkhuni Dhammadinna to her ex or for her ex-husband, Visakha, and in these places, uh, the breath is explained as a body. It's called breath body. So, breath body is in the body. So, be mindful of this breath body, which is in the body. That is why the word, be mindful of the body, in the body, is mentioned. Similarly, be mindful of the feelings in feelings. Vedana su, Vedana nupasi verati. Be mindful of the feeling in the feelings. One is plural, one is singular. Why is that? Because we pick one feeling at a time among many feelings. We don't deliberately pick when feeling arises. If one feeling is more strong, more stronger, more powerful, that naturally drags our mind into that feeling. And then become mindful of that feeling. We cannot be mindful of all the feelings. One feeling at a time becomes more conspicuous than other feelings. When it is more conspicuous, whether it is pleasant or unpleasant, my naturally is uh, attracted to it, uh, dragged into it, goes there, and be mindful of that. Then, chitte, chitta virati, be mindful of the mind in the mind. Similarly, we cannot become mindful of my or the mind, but we can be mindful of the mind when we notice contents of the mind. And there are various things happening in the mind. When one particular contents, one particular thing arises in the mind, then we become mindful of that in that mind. That also we will explain if we have time today. And the fourth is be mindful of the dhammas, 
mindful of Dhamma, in the Dhammas. Dhamma also are many. When one particular Dhamma arises, be mindful of that Dhamma at that time. For this reason, Buddha used this particular uh, sentence in each foundation of mindfulness. That sounds very difficult one, but and also people say when we say these things, people say it is easier said than done. But from my experience, I say it is easier done than said. If you do it. If you don't do it, you simply say, you simply brush it aside, shun it aside and say, well, who cares? It is we cannot do it. It is just like uh, you try to teach me how to swim and s- see how long you take to tell me how to teach. I can never swim. I have never learned. But for you, very easy to swim and show me how to swim. So it is easier for you to swim than telling me how to swim. Why? Because you have been swimming. Similarly, if we do it every single day, every waking moment, all your life, it becomes just like uh, breathing. You don't learn how to breathe. (laughs) We naturally breathe. So the practice also becomes so natural to our life if we do it. And then all this becomes crystal clear in our mind when we practice. So, at the very beginning, he mentioned these four statements. Then he said, Atapi, why we want to do this? Why we want to become mindful of the mind? Atapi, meaning with the intention of overcoming, with the intention, uh, with the uh, intention, we make effort to overcome our uh, various mental impurities to fulfill those five purposes. At least to begin with one. Then the next word he used, Sampajano. This is the only place uh, the word is given uh, in this way uh, in the the detailed explanation uh, the word Sampajana is not used. But this is the place where Sampajana is used. Sampajana means clear comprehension. In the commentaries clear comprehension is explained in four ways, fourfold, four different types of clear comprehensions. This is another confused area, area where not uh, too many of us uh, get very clear comprehension. Although we talk about clear comprehension, we don't get clear comprehension uh, in uh, most of the time. And therefore, let us uh, spend a few minutes on that. 
Oh, I will explain it later. Uh, but it is very important to mention it here. Clear comprehension is uh, also fourfold, four types. Clear comprehension of the the purpose, clear comprehension of the domain, clear comprehension of the suitability, and clear comprehension of non-delusion. Now let us take one, each, each of them in turn, and try to understand them. What is the clear comprehension of uh, the purpose? These are the fivefold purpose that you already had mentioned. We already mentioned the fivefold purpose. Clear comprehension, we have to have a clear understanding of these five purposes. Why we meditate. That is to cleanse our mind, to overcome come sorrow and lamentation, to overcome uh, suffering and uh, disappointment, and to follow the right path, noble eightfold path, and to attain liberation. Attaining liberation is the tastiest things in all tasteful things. And Buddha said it in the Anguttara Nikaya, uh, Vimutti rasa sabbe dhamma. Vimutti rasa sabbe dhamma. The highest the, the taste of all the practice, all the dhammas, is the taste of liberation. So that is what we want to attain. We want to taste liberation, freedom, not with the tongue, but with the mind. So, uh, this is the five purposes we have to keep in mind. That the understanding, clear comprehension of the purpose. Then, when we practice this, we must ask the question. I practice this part of meditation. I, I practice uh, mindfulness of the body. Does this practice of mindfulness of the body help me to purify my mind? Ask the question, the purpose. The first of the clear, four, four, uh, four clear comprehensions. The first is to um, uh, have good understanding, clear understanding of the purpose. And this is, for this reason we mentioned the purpose at the very beginning. We said the purpose is to purify the mind. When we practice mindfulness of the breath, mindfulness of the rest of the body, we must ask, does this practice purify my mind? Keep asking this question. Second, when we practice mindfulness of the feelings, does it help me to purify my mind? 
ask this question each time you practice any part of the four foundations of mindfulness. Ask the second question. Does this help me to overcome sorrow and lamentation? That's the second purpose. So we have to have a clear understanding of the purpose, why we do what we do. Ask the third question. Does this help me to overcome the pain and suffering? You may inflict pain and suffering when you meditate. Most meditators experience that. Then they ask the question, I am supposed to practice meditation to overcome pain and suffering, but I am suffering now. I am having pain. The purpose of meditation is not to inflict pain. At the very beginning, Buddha said, purpose of meditation is to get rid of pain. Instead of getting rid of pain, we experience pain. We inflict pain. That is one experience that everybody complains against. Some people even given up meditation, give up meditation. They say they go to for, for weekend meditation. Weekend meditation is actually only one day meditation, just like this one. All they get during that week is pain. Then they leave the meditation center, meditation place, saying that all I got this meditation is pain. I don't want to meditate, to get pain. But the purpose of meditation is mentioned at the very outset, is to get rid of pain. So, we have to understand the real purpose of meditation. You cannot have pain, uh, or you cannot have pleasure without pain. A pleasure always comes with pain. The purpose of practice meditation is not to increase pain, but to overcome pain. And then we gain pleasure. We work very hard to gain pleasure, mundane, ordinary pleasure. But this pleasure we work very hard to gain, and we gain this pleasure, it is not mundane pleasure, not ordinary carnal pleasure, pleasure with greed, hatred and delusion. This is the pleasure, spiritual pleasure, pleasure of freedom. So we go through little difficulties. Then we ask the fourth question, does this practice fulfill the fourth purpose? What is the fourth purpose? Following the right path. Right path. Does this practice put me on the right path? What is the right path? Path to liberation. Path to freedom. And the fifth question we must ask, does this practice help me to liberate my suffering, liberate my defilement, liberate, my, liberate myself from all kinds of defilements? 
So we have to have a full, clear comprehension, understanding of the purpose. That is the number one of the four purposes. The four clear comprehensions. Second clear comprehension is even more important. What is that? The domain, the field, the scope of meditation. What is the domain? The domain of meditation is nothing but our own five aggregates. Form, feeling, perception, volitional formations and consciousness. Or, sometimes we can put them into the four foundations of mindfulness. Four foundations of mindfulness is nothing but the mindfulness of the form, feeling, perceptions, volitional formations and consciousness. Whether we say it four foundations of mindfulness or five aggregates, we say the same thing. Words are different, meaning is the same. That is our field. We use, this is our laboratory. Everything we need to attain the goal is in this laboratory, in this world. And that is why Abhijja Domana Sang Vinaya Loke, the Buddha used the word Loka. This is my world. Each and every one of us is living in our own world. Our five aggregates are our world. In Sangyata Nikaya Buddha defined the world. World is with this one-fathomed body with this consciousness. One-fathomed body with this consciousness. What is the one-fathom? Fathom is six feet. In that definition, I am not one fathom. <laughs> I am only five three. So the fathom is elastic, flexible fathom. That means when you stretch our hands from middle fingertip to the other middle fingertip, that distance is one fathom. So each one of us is one fathom in our own measurement. So within that, Buddha said, is the world. Why Buddha said, Buddha was so intelligent, not intelligent, wise. Big, there's a big difference between intelligence and wisdom anyway. But the Buddha was so wise, he gave the world in a nutshell. And the whole world is here. What you find in outside world is here. So, covetousness and grief in the world means we are not going to remove the, the covetousness of other people. Reduce greed in the world. <laughs> you can never do that. Uh, many a time, people say, I want to get involved in... Uh, in war, what you call uh, 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 
what you call active Buddhism, uh, engage Buddhism. I want to engage in Buddhism. What do they, what do you want to do? Go out and tell people to reduce their greed, hatred, delusion, and keep go go keep going out, doing that. And they say reducing uh, greed, hatred, and delusion in the world, so that I can live peacefully. If there is no greed, hatred, and delusion in the world, I can live peacefully. Therefore, let me go out and reduce greed, hatred, and delusion in the world. And it is like uh, somebody who wants to walk on the earth were to say, let me cover the entire world with leather so that I can walk without getting my feet hurt on rocks, thorns, uh, rough areas, getting without getting burned and so forth, let me walk. So let me cover the whole world with leather. And somebody would say, Mister, it's not going to work. On the one hand, you cannot collect enough leather to do that. On the other hand, before you before you collect enough leather, you will die. Because you don't live that long. Thirdly, you have to kill so many animals. There may not be that many animals that has that thick leather. And therefore, what you should do is to cut piece of leather and make a pair of shoes and then walk. That will work. That is the Buddha's method. That means reduce greed and hatred in the world, in our world. When I reduce my greed and hatred and delusion, I can move among people who have greed, hatred and delusion without being affected by their greed, hatred and delusion. And that's what the Buddha did. So, uh, so, uh, the, the second uh, clear comprehension should be the domain. The domain is not in the world, outside. Domain is here, in us. And this is, as I said, our own laboratory where we have to work. Normally people don't like to use their own laboratories. They want to borrow others' laboratories and work there and let their own laboratory get rusty, collect dust and collect garbage, dirt and use others. When they turn back and they see their laboratories are filled with dirt. And in this meditation, Buddha said, therefore, have a clear comprehension of the domain. What is your domain? There's a very beautiful story in Sanyutini Gayati, you, most of you might have heard. Since some of you are Dhamma teachers, some of you have listened to many Dhamma talks by given by very beautiful Dhamma teachers. 
This story you might have heard thousands of times, but I like to present it myself again so that you may remember it. If you have memorized it, you will hear different version of it. Anyway, this is the little story that Buddha gave to illustrate the meaning of domain. He said, there was a little quail. And one day a big hawk came and grabbed this quail. Because the quail was, uh, you know, walking around and, you know, basking in the sun and relaxing and going away and so forth. So the hawk came and grabbed him and took him away. When he was being taken away, the quail uh, said to himself, Today is my bad day, unlucky day. And uh, this fellow is going to kill me. Had I been in my own domain, this quail would not be a match in fight. I could have defeated him very easily had I been in my own domain. Then the hope without uh, getting upset, you know, listening to this little quail's uh, challenge, uh, Hawk did not get upset. He asked the quail, what is your domain, by the way? He said, uh, that uh, newly plowed field where there are big clods of mud, that is my field, domain. Oh, is it so? I can take you there and leave there. So he took him and left there and by, by leaving him there, he said, by the way, don't forget, tomorrow I come and get you. He said, okay. So he dropped him and flew away. Next day he came and uh, quail was sitting on a big clod of mud. And he saw the hawk sweeping, you know, stooping down, coming down. As he was approaching, the quail very quickly uh, rushed under huge clot of mud. And the hawk came and looked around, he could not see him. From the distance he saw the quail, now when he came close, he could not see him. And he got very angry and beat his breast and flew away. And Buddha said, similarly, if you stay in your own domain, Mara will not and come and get you. You will be trapped by the Mara if you leave your domain and try to borrow others' domains. So this is the, the domain. We have to always remember our domain is our own five aggregate. Body, feeling, perception, thoughts, and volitional formations, and consciousness. So, we have to clearly understand this five aggregates, this body. This is another subject I talk about. All this we find in the discourse. And the third clear comprehension is also is very important. What is the third? 
that is the suitability. And people say, uh, sometimes suitability is, is this place is suitable for meditation? Near a uh, supermarket? Uh, near a uh, casino? Or in the casino? <laughs> or uh, the public well? Or swimming pool? Uh, and so forth? No, 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 they are not suitable. So they look for suitable, uh, clear comprehension of suitability, something like this. That is not the meaning. Suitability is always referring to this practice, asking ourselves, is this practice suitable for attaining that goal, fivefold goals? Is this practice of mindfulness, of breathing, suitable for purifying the mind? That is the suitability. The subject, the practice, must match the goal. And ask, is this suitable for, if it is not suitable for gaining that purpose, I should not practice it. If it is suitable, for this time, for this mentality, for this state, and this is what I should practice. I give you another example. Uh, suppose you practice uh, uh, mindfulness of uh, uh, the body, uh, focusing mind on the parts of the body. This is another big subject of meditation, parts of the body. When you practice the meditation on the parts of the body, all of a sudden, instead of uh, uh, reducing your uh, lust, Lust can increase. At that time, you should be able to ask yourself, is this practice suitable for me at this time? Then you will realize, no, the more you meditate on this, the more lust increase in me, therefore I must abandon this and choose another subject from the same, the the sutta, and you practice that. Why you want to, your purpose is to overcome greed, covetousness, and hatred. When you practice the part of meditation on the on various parts of the body, if hatred arises, you abandon it and choose another part. Because your purpose is to overcome your hatred. So, Suitability also match, must match the purpose and the subject. That is suitable, not the place. It is, some people say when you go to the kitchen, you have a purpose of going to the kitchen. When you go to bedroom, you have a purpose in going to bedroom and so forth. These are not the purposes. The real purpose is 
the suitability means that you have to have a clear understanding. Is this suitable for gaining this goal? And the fourth clear comprehension is non-delusion. That is even more difficult and very deep subject. We have to have a clear comprehension, clear understanding of the clarity, non-delusion. That means, when we practice meditation, this one of the four foundations of mindfulness, whichever it is, if we begin to uh, relapse into the belief that uh, there must be something permanent, something solid, you are deluded. And you should be able to penetrate that solidity, that permanency, to see the impermanence and non-solid state. That means the practice is to penetrate the, the waves and uh, the blocks going through into the reality. So, uh, these are the four uh, clear comprehensions. Then, Satima. Satima Vinaya Loke Abhigya Dhomanasa. Kaya kaya nupa shivirati atapi sampajano atapi sampajano. Satima. Satima is uh, be, being mindful. Being mindful. The word sati is used for several meanings. One meaning, I have given some uh, explanation in my Mindfulness in plain English, in chapter 13, I have uh, spent a lot of time in explaining it. I advise people to read that. Sati, mindfulness. Among many meanings, one meaning is uh, uh, non-conceptual or pre-conceptual awareness. To see things exactly as they are without distortion. What do we mean by seeing things as they really are? That also is a heavily loaded phrase. See things. See means how can we see? We always see when we open our eyes, we see. Do we see things exactly as they are when we open our eyes? Superficially, yes. Materially, yes. Spiritually, no. When we open our eyes, look at things, we see their color, shape, size, height, shades, and so forth. These are not the reality. These are the uh, superficial uh, appearance of the object. And the word vipassana also uh, has a very special meaning. We is special. Pasana means seeing. 
That means seeing things as they really are. Uh, seeing here is not with eyes open, but with eyes closed. This must be very special seeing. Seeing things with eyes closed. We see, when we close our eyes and open our wisdom eye, like a platypus, you know platypus living in Tasmania? This animal looks like a beaver. Uh, it lives in water. It's a mammal, breastfeeding babies. And this animal, when he, when he approaches uh, a prey, at the uh, accessible distance, he closes his eyes. When he closes his eyes, there is a device right in the middle of his forehead, above his nose, and that device opens and sends electric current to a stunned animal. <laughs> then he opens eyes and catches the prey. But he has to close the eyes when he approaches the prey to open this device to stun the animal. Similarly, when we close our eyes, close our ears, close our nose, close our mouth, close our body, and focus what really is happening in the mind. We cannot close, we cannot plug our ears, we can hear sound. And they convert inside and something is happening inside. We can watch it. Uh, when we pay this uh, undivided, non-verbal, preconceptual attention to the sound we hear, we hear the change. We experience impermanence. When we open our eyes, our eyes goes here and there and uh, bring a lot of information from outside and distort our awareness of impermanence. When we close our eyes and just pay attention, non-verbal, non-labeling, non-conceptual attention, we can exactly experience the changes. Just like when you listen to music. If you want to enjoy music, don't criticize. Don't have a commentary. Don't use words. Just listen. You can really enjoy music. If you start commenting, verbalizing, conceptualizing, criticizing, commenting, you never enjoy. This is much deeper than that. To understand the true nature of something, something here means not outside, something in this body and mind, just pay attention. This is called 
sati, one part, one meaning of sati. Uh, in vipassana, there is another word to uh, understand, uh, to make mindfulness or vipassana more meaningful. That is anupassana. Anupassana. Anupas, that is why the Buddha used the word kaya kaya anupasi viharati. Vedana su vedana anupasi viharati. Chitte chitta anupasana viharati. Dhamme dhamma anupasana viharati. So we combine these two words kaya anupasana viharati, vedana anupasana viharati, chitta anupasana viharati, dhamma anupasana viharati. And even to make it even briefer, we said kaya anupasana. Vedana Anupasana, Chitta Anupasana, Dhamma Anupasana. In all this we have the word Anupasana. What is Anupasana? We have to understand the meaning of Anupasana to understand the meaning of Vipassana. Vipassana means seeing in a very special way. Anupasana is uh, seeing it as it is happening. No before, no after. Simultaneously with the happening, the mind must be able to register what is happening. Not before, no after. And sometimes this is explained in being aware of the present present moment. Present moment is not the past nor in the future but in the present. And this is what Anupasana means. Seeing certain things in happening in the body and mind as they are happening. And when these two combine together we can gain Vipassana. That is we pasana with anupasana, seeing them happening as they are happening. By paying total, pure, clean, undivided attention without words, concepts, ideas, labels, only then we can see what is happening. With, as I said, with eyes open, you cannot see our body. Even if we look in the mirror uh, to see our body, how much we can see? Only the front. We cannot see the back. We cannot see the top of our head. We can see the right eye on the left. You know, we move the right hand and we see in the mirror we are moving left hand. You write uh, may, M-A-Y, and hold against the mirror, you can see yam. <laughs> if you see write key, K-E-Y, and hold against the mirror, you can see yak. <laughs> so even if you look, at, look in the mirror, with eyes open, you cannot see it, the object exactly as it is. So we cannot trust our eyes. See, 
uh, what you call, what, what people call seeing is uh, eh? believing. It is not true, no, not true. <laughs> you cannot believe what you see. So, this is a very, very special way of seeing. And the pure seeing, wonderful seeing, no prejudice, no biases. It's a clear, pure seeing. So, kaya kaya nupasana, atapi sampajana satima vinaya loke abhijyadomanasam. This phrase also is important to remember. Vinaya means uh, restraining, disciplining. Uh, it's also heavy loaded because uh, there are five kinds of disciplining. Restraint. Uh, we, are, we are called Sangvara. Uh, Sila Sangvara, uh, Sati Sangvara, Khanti Sangvara, Jnana Sangvara, Virya Sangvara. Sangvara means restraint. Uh, we have to restrain our senses with uh, uh, effort, with patience, with uh, mindfulness, with wisdom, and with effort. We have to restrain. All these things must involve in our mindfulness practice. We have to have a lot of patience. People always ask, Bhante, is there any shortcut? <laughs> this seems to be very, very long. We don't have that much time. When I was in Washington, a woman came working in the World Bank at uh, lunchtime. And she came and said, Bhante, I have one hour, I have to go back to work. <laughs> Teach me meditation so that I attain enlightenment and go back to work. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, I don't have, <laughs> what do you call this, uh, quick pill, you know, uh, to boost your attainment of enlightenment. People are so impatient. Very quickly they want to attain. The quicker you want to attain, longer you will take. <laughs> so, you have to be, you have to have a lot of patience. Take it easy. Just be fully aware of what is happening bit by bit. And if you try to grab everything, you are just like trying to grab the whole heap of orange. You cannot do that. So that is called discipline. We, we have to do it with patience, with effort, with mindfulness, with, uh, uh, wisdom, uh, uh, and then uh, with uh, uh, discipline, discipline. They are called Sila Sangvara, Virya Sangvara, Khanti Sangvara, Sati Sangvara, and Jnana Sangvara. Five types of discipline. Abhijya Domanasang, Vinaya Vinaya means discipline, 
and having overcome greed, covetousness and anger. Uh, covetousness is translated as uh, excessive greed. That implies that uh, there is you know, certain amount of greed and over and above that is excessive. So you can have certain amount of greed and over and above is excessive. <laughs> Actually, it is, it simply means gross greed. Gross greed. We cannot eliminate greed all of a sudden, but at least try to di- overcome this oozing, very gross type of uh, greed. Uh, other greed will slowly vanish eventually when you overcome the, you know, very gross part. So, uh, I think I am supposed to stop the talk now, this morning. This is the introduction to the Mahasatipatthana Sutta. And then we go, you know, we are supposed to do some meditation also. Morning is the best time to meditate. Uh, afternoon meditation will be difficult. Therefore, I have a plan for afternoon meditation to make it easy. We do little walking meditation. I give you some instructions on walking meditation. You might have heard people uh, giving instructions. You might have learned how to do walking meditation and so forth. I also like to introduce my version of walking meditation for you to either clarify or get more confused. <laughs> so, so let us see after afterwards.